Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Howdy, folks. Uh, Randy, how's it going? Well, it's going well. How are you? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. I've been doing my big rewatch of the Star Trek films, as mm-hmm. I mentioned before, and I'm halfway through Nemesis right now. You had to stop. It's not a good movie. <laughs> Uh, whereas Insurrection is just boring, mm-hmm. Nemesis is actively bad. Mm, it's acting against you. It's, yeah. It's trying. So, yeah. I'll finish it. Uh-huh. Not looking forward to watching more, but I'll finish it. So, as we were discussing the other day, Nemesis is the one Star Trek movie I haven't seen. And I, I know I need to remedy this, you even if it isn't good. see it. Just, just once. Like, I saw it. Yeah, I can pray. I could put other things into context now. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's got B four, and he's terrible. Uh huh. But yeah. Oh well, at least I get J.J. Abrams' Trek after this. Yeah, that's something to look forward to. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, I, I mentioned that we were previously talking about this, and I was actually on our trip to. Uh, the San Jose Super Toy Show. Yes. Uh, that we've been teasing for a while. And we went and we did that. It was fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. Uh, lots of lots of cool toys to look at. Yeah, prices were a little bit high this time. Mm-hmm. There was like definitely a weird like August 2015 markup or something. Yeah, we weren't um, the only ones who noticed it either. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's yeah. a couple people who are complaining about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, specifically... Um, we noticed some, there was a markup on the Star Trek figures that we, we saw, uh, and that I purchased one of, um, only came away with one Star Trek figure this time. And in retrospect, I think I, I'm kind of wishing I had bought a different one uh, that I saw. Um, I got, um, Star Trek The Next Generation Locutus of Borg, which I'm very happy with. Yeah, the Playmates um, version. Yeah, the Playmates Locutus of Borg. Um, but there was also a Playmates um, Detective Picard. Uh, um, Dixon Hill. Dixon Hill. That, in retrospect, I'm kind of kicking myself for not getting it. <laughs> <laughs> because I realized that my, my other Playmates TNG figures are all kind of like, not obscure, but kind of campy characters. You know, you've got... Um, I've got... The captain from the Darmok episode. I've got giant hat um, Guinan. I've got uh, Ensign Barclay. Um, I guess Locutus couldn't really be considered campy. Maybe he could be. Um, he's a variant of Picard. Maybe that's my next my next uh, collection. Will be Picard variants. <laughs> uh, there'll be Locutus. There'll be Dixon Hill, uh, and whatever else they have. Maybe like Earth Vineyard Picard or removable Bionic Heart Picard. That'd be pretty cool. It has like a shard of metal that you can stick in his chest. Somehow, I don't think they made that one. Yeah, probably not. It's not like the the Dark Horse series or something. <laughs> McFarlane's Star Trek The Next Generation. <laughs> That's where we'd see it. Uh, yeah, but um, let's see. You got something. Oh, you got some Trek stuff too, but not action figures. Yeah, I didn't buy any action figures because they were... A bit pricier than mm-hmm. they were before. Yeah, the selection also wasn't super great. Uh, I mean, there were some Voyager toys, but unfortunately, yeah. it had some weird 
like chalky dust on them or something. Yeah, they like they were kind of rotting. And yeah, that was, was sad because we found Chakotay, the Doctor, uh, yeah. pretty much everyone. Like there Tuvok. was a Tom Paris. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, Tom Paris! You showed it to me. You're like, oh my god, you gotta get this Tom Paris. And then it was like, oh, what's wrong with his pants? And a bunch of Neelixes. A bunch of. <laughs> I could create a Neelix army, but yeah, you you still got some Star Trek stuff. I got a sealed box of Star Trek trading cards, mm-hmm. uh, series two. I've not opened any of them. Uh, oh. There is scenes from uh, Classic Trek and Next Generation. Awesome. Uh, I also got a little keychain where you, you press, you look into it. It's like a little view master. Mm-hmm. And you press a button and it cycles through slides of different aliens from Next Generation. Well, that's cool. It's like, yeah. know your aliens. Yeah, pretty, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we, we saw a lot of stuff, too. Um, a lot of stuff we had seen before on the larger scale, uh, lots of, um, vehicles, there was a board cube, um, that kind of thing, so, yeah. And then we almost picked up, um, I think I've talked about it on the, the show, we almost picked up the five-year mission, uh, board game, uh, but when we realized, oh, we need at least three players, <laughs> and there were just the two of us, so that'll be for next time when we have Cody back. Yeah, the next uh, San Jose Toy Show is in December, and I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Hopefully uh, prices will be a little lower this time. I don't know. I was just thinking it's going to be right before the holidays. Yeah, that's why I said hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. We can be hopeful. But yeah, that's what we've been up to, I think. Oh, we've also been watching Enterprise. Yeah, we have. Imagine that. A podcast that talks about Enterprise. It's crazy. Star Trek TV shows, so hmm, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should talk about Enterprise. Yeah, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise, Season 2, Episode 23, Regeneration. Not Star Trek Regenerations. No. Okay, just making sure. Uh, Original air date, May 7th, 2003. Although it is funny that you mentioned a Star Trek TNG movie, because Mm -hmm. this is the aftermath of one of the TNG movies. Yeah, for sure. Um, the episode opens with a ship flying over the Arctic Circle on Earth. Uh, three people are following their tracking devices to find some snow-covered rubble. It looks like a crash site. Uh, the three people split up, and one of them finds a frozen body in the ground. Mm-hmm. The other two approach, and they see a Borg drone. Dun, dun, bum. What? A Borg pre-Next Generation? Yeah. Hmm, curious. Well, if you recall, Star Trek First Contact mm-hmm. had time travel. Yeah. The Borg went back in time to prevent Zephram Cochran from making his warp flight. And uh, apparently some Borg crashed on Earth as well. Yeah, spoiler alert, they didn't succeed. <laughs> And hence we have Enterprise. It's yeah. like kind of the direct follow up to Zephyr and Cochran's uh, successful warp flight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, opening credits when the episode comes back, uh, the scientists do not recognize the Borg drone, obviously. Mm-hmm. Never seen it before. Um, later, a base camp has been uh, erected inside. The scientists are looking at the drones. And the Borg arm that they found, 
the scientists are perplexed by the species of the drones. Mm-hmm. Uh, they discover that the wreckage has been there for about a hundred years, and suddenly the severed arm activates. Mm-hmm. Uh, even later, two of the scientists see the Borg nanomachines repairing the organic cell membranes. Uh, we learn that the Denobulans have experimented with nanotechnology, but nothing this advanced. Uh, the male scientist, uh, which is not Drake. I know Drake because he announced himself as, you know, Drake. Hi, I'm Drake. Yeah, he's the, he's the leader of these scientists, mm-hmm. but the other male scientist, mm-hmm. uh, wants to put, wants to put the drones in cold storage. But Drake is worried that the bodies would be damaged again and wants to let the regeneration process continue because he doesn't think there's a reason to consider the drones hostile. Oh, man. This is one of those points where, as the audience, you're just like, oh, my gosh. Worst idea ever. (laughs) No. Freeze them. Burn them. (laughs) Outside. The female scientist tells Drake that she thinks the alien ship was a perfect sphere about 600 meters in diameter. Uh, That's the Borg sphere from First Contact. Uh, Back inside, the male scientist spills some coffee when he hears one of the drone's machinery start activating. And suddenly, the drone wakes up. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of gross how it does it, too. It's kind of like gasping for air. Like, ugh. Yeah. Borg are still creepy after all this time. It's true. They do not diminish in creepiness. <laughs> uh, outside, uh, Drake and the female scientists are working on some debris on which she found deuterium residue uh, when they hear the male scientists screaming from inside. Uh, they rush over. I can't find one of the drones, but they do find the male scientist who has been infected with the Borg nanomachines. When the female scientist turns around, she runs into the now fully awake drone. It's like a horror movie. Yeah, bad times. Uh, At Starfleet HQ, Admiral Forrest is told that there's a problem at the excavation site. Later, a shuttle pod flies through the Arctic Circle, and Forrest and his team discover that everyone at the base camp is gone. On Enterprise, finally. Mm -hmm. Name of the show, Enterprise. We <laughs> made it back to the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this situation room, Archer is telling the senior officers about the Borg drones, who they assume abducted the research team. Uh, Enterprise is tasked with finding the Borg, who enhanced the research team's transport and warped away from Earth at warp 3.9. Uh, the transport usually can't exceed warp 1.4. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noted that it's weird that the Borg would choose to fly away from Earth uh, when one of their goals was to uh, assimilate Earth. Yeah. Well, they're like, oh, what can we do? We're only a couple of Borg, but they're not because they've captured other people. Yeah, and exponential growth would mean lots of Borg would show up eventually. Yeah, I don't know. We may never know their plan. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> In the armory, Reed talks to Phlox about trying to get a sense of what kind of weaponry the Borg might have in their cybernetic limbs. Later, T'Pol tells Archer that they're receiving an automated distress call from a Tarkalian freighter. Uh, the Enterprise approaches the freighter as it's being attacked by the Borg. Archer tries hailing them, but the Enterprise is attacked in response. 
Reed fires the phase cannons at the Borg ship and disables its weapons. The transport flies off, but Archer elects to stay behind to rescue the two biosigns they've discovered on the freighter. In Sick Bay, uh, Phlox tells Archer about the nanoprobes that have infected the two Tarkalians. They are being transformed into cybernetic hybrids. Uh, Phlox can't get rid of the nanoprobes, but he's trying to slow them down. T'Pol suggests treating them in the decontamination chamber, but Phlox doesn't think they'll be a danger to the crew. Uh, but Archer wants a guard posted in sick bay just in case. Everyone's underestimating the Borg in this episode. Uh-huh. Uh, later, T'Pol enters Archer's ready room. He tells her about a speech Zephram Cochran made about 89 years ago during a commencement address at Princeton. Uh, Cochran started talking about cybernetic creatures from the future who tried to prevent his warp flight and first contact with the Vulcans, but they were stopped by a group of humans who were also from the future. Uh, T'Pol writes this off as a tall tale or and mentions that uh, Cochran was a drunk. Uh, <laughs> he was still a drunk after his warp flight and while he's giving commencement speeches? Yeah. Well. He just stayed drunk. <laughs> Don't be a great man. Just be a man who drinks a lot. <laughs> uh, Archer is worried that the Borg are heading back to their home world for reinforcements so they can attempt to conquer Earth. Um, I noted that it's a little bit weird that the Borg are trying to get back to their home world when the presumably their signal to the collective has been severed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I noted that in next generation, we saw Hugh, Hugh Borg, mm-hmm. who was se- separated from the collective and gained individuality. But these guys uh, clearly haven't. Um, not only that, but yeah, they're, they're actually not in their own timeline or time period. Um, they're... And they're not in the quadrant where the Borg are. So they must be able to communicate over an incredibly vast distance. I I guess. Maybe they adapted after the Hugh situation. I don't know. I'm sensing massive plot holes, but <laughs> we shall continue. In sick bay, one of the Tarkalians wakes up. As Phlox goes to sedate him, the other Tarkalian wakes up and attacks the guard. Phlox then gets infected with the nanoprobes, and the two Tarkalians escape from sick bay. Uh, later, Archer, Reed, and some security officers find Phlox and the other guard. Phlox realizes that he's been infected with the nanoprobes. Uh, Reed goes off to follow the Tarkalian's trail with some security officers. Meanwhile, the Tarkalians are crawling through Jeffrey's tubes, uh, looking for something. Uh, Reed and the two security officers are in pursuit and eventually find one of the Tarkalians who is modifying the Enterprise with the Borg nanoprobes. Reed tries shooting her, which knocks her back for a second, but she continues her work. Uh, Reed and his crew try firing again, but shields protect the Tarkalian this time. Mm-hmm. As they're trying to retreat, uh, the other Tarkalian shows up and attacks them. Reed and the officers manage to escape, and Archer has Reed seal off the area as Archer has T'Pol open an airlock. Uh, this sends the two Tarkillians flying out into space, 
and Archer seems really bothered about having to space the Tarkalians. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't the only one that had that term noted. <laughs> uh, later, Hoshi enters sickbay and gives Flock some food for both Flocks and his pets. Mm-hmm. Um, I noted he's surprisingly resilient to the Borg nanoprobes. Yeah. Uh, usually it consumes people instantly. Mm-hmm. Extremely quickly. Um, but doesn't he mention something about his immune system? Yes. His immune system is... The Denobulan immune system is very strong. It's particularly hardy. <laughs> uh, she offers to stay with Phlox, but he wants her to leave for her safety. Elsewhere, Trip and Reed are looking at the Borg technology. Reed thinks he's figured out a way to punch through the Borg shield with a phase pistol. In the mess hall, Archer joins Sapal, and they discuss Archer's plan to disable the Borg ship and rescue the humans and Tarkalians on board. Uh, Sapal wants him to reconsider because they could be a danger to Enterprise, and she wants to destroy the ship. Uh, Flox calls Archer and asks him to go to sickbay. As he's leaving, Archer says that he's not ready to declare the infected a lost cause. Okay. But he's just seen what happens when they get infected, so... But, you know, Archer, he's always optimistic. Except in the previous episode. Yeah. Okay, let's not think about that. In sickbay, Phlox is struggling with the nanoprobes. He tells Archer that he's figured out that he should look at the nanoprobes as an engineer would, not a physician. He exposed some nanoprobe samples to different forms of radiation, and they are vulnerable to Omicron uh, radiation. So he has to expose himself to an excessive dose of it to ensure that not even one nanoprobe survives. He wants Archer to inject him with a neural toxin if he fails. In the armory, Reed is working on making the phase pistols more powerful. Later, Enterprise is caught up with the Borg ship, uh, they both drop to impulse. Then the Borg sends an activation sequence that activates the Borg circuits on the Enterprise. It shuts down the systems. Uh, the Borg then hail and say, you will be assimilated. Resistance is futile. Uh, conveniently, they do not announce themselves as the Borg. Right. They, don't, they do not say we are Borg. So that is quite convenient for continuity. Yeah, it's like uh, the Ferengi are never mentioned by name mm-hmm. in that one episode uh the borg ship attacks enterprise as trip tries to fix things uh archer takes reed to the transporter in sickbay phlox hears the collective as he goes into the radiation chamber uh archer and reed are transported over to the borg ship wow Uh, used it yeah they have modified face pistols in their hands uh, they shoot two drones, uh, one of whom is the female scientist from the beginning of the episode. Uh, Archer discovers that she's not really human anymore, so it's okay to take them out because they can't be saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're more human. They're, they're beyond human. Something like that. Uh, they're more machine than man, twisted and evil. Mm, they're a bunch of Vaders. Yep. Uh, meanwhile... Six drones have boarded Enterprise. A security officer shoots two of the drones, but the rest adapt to the phase pistol's blasts. Yeah, they modulate their shield frequencies. Mm-hmm. I believe that's right. Yep. 
Uh, Archer and Reed fight one drone hand-to-hand and then shoot some more drones until they eventually place charges on the EPS conduit that they've been looking for. Uh, the Borg have finally adapted to the modified face pistols just as Reed finished placing the charges, and Archer and Reed are transported back to Enterprise. Reed hits the detonator, destroying the EPS conduit and the drones around it. Uh, Trip has finally disabled the Borg circuits, and the Enterprise's weapons start coming online. Uh, meanwhile, four Borg drones are marching through Enterprise, and they suddenly beam away. Archer and Reed enter the bridge, and Archer tells Paul that they can't help anyone on the Borg ship. Suddenly, Reed detects that the ship is being repaired and the weapons are charging. Archer has Reed fire all weapons at the Borg ship's warp core, which destroys it. Yep, it's totally toast. <laughs> it's kind of awesome. You gotta make sure. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to the Borg, you gotta make sure. Yeah. Uh, Captain Starlog, March 1st, 2153. Uh, Enterprise is being repaired, and they're continuing on their previous course. Phlox is confident that he will fully recover. Uh, Archer and Paul check on Phlox in sickbay. Phlox uh, tells Archer that he was connected with the aliens via telepathy, as if he were part of some sort of group consciousness. Paul suggests that he imagined it, uh, but Phlox believes that they were trying to send a subspace message, some sort of numerical sequence. In his ready room, Archer tells Paul that he had the computer analyze the sequence, and it turns out that they were spatial coordinates to tell their homeworld how to find Earth. The message was sent too deep into the Delta Quadrant. Paul is relieved because it would take 200 years for the subspace message to reach the Delta Quadrant, but Archer says that they've only postponed the invasion until the 24th century. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yeah. So these events directly caused the Borg to show up in the Alpha Quadrant later. Yep. So it's time is a flat circle or something. Sure. <laughs> that was that. That was it. That's it. That's all. That's no, the episode. Um. Well, I think uh, plot holes aside, and I mean just the very fact that I don't think that we ever learn of this event in subsequent, like earlier yet chronologically later star treks i don't believe they ever referenced this event happening right but basically starfleet has had contact with the borg um even though they don't know they're called the borg um they definitely know what they look like they know what they do uh <laughs> they know that they assimilate they know that they use nanotechnology they're cyborgs so it's 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 troublesome it's another retcon yeah, it's a pretty heavy-duty retcon. Um, despite that, and despite the plot holes, despite, you know, kind of everything you brought up earlier, um, I still really liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, I thought yeah, it definitely had those problems, but I thought it was a well-written, well-acted uh, episode. I also thought it was just the structure of it was different. Um, it, you know, you, you had that, that sequence at the beginning, and even though I knew what the... the the uh the borg were i know what they do i mean it was still like the cringe factor of seeing those scientists uncover them you know unawares uh was was pretty cool mm -hmm. um and and you know just subsequently they had the you know they had a little bit of space combat you got to see uh the um 
you got to see the explorer's uh ship um the uh the survey crew or whatever they were you got to see their ship transforming basically and evolving with the Borg technology which i thought was another cool touch i don't know i just i actually really liked this episode um yeah i mean it's despite fun. its flaws it's fun to see the borg again um mm-hmm. and they're a great villain in star trek uh but yeah i don't know there were definite issues with this episode yeah. overall overall i enjoyed it but yeah there were issues oh i mean i don't know if you feel this way um so i'll ask ask you would i personally despite how much i like the borg and and how i think you know like you said they're a great villain um and it's always great to see them show up i i kind of almost wish that we had an episode kind of quote unquote this good for something totally original you know like i'm I'm not saying like a new race that assimilates people (laughs) you know what i mean like i feel like this sort this sort of you know pacing and this sort of uh drama and um this this level of writing i think um really needs to come into the series on brand new things Mm -hmm. and I do know that the the writer of this episode and some of the best episodes of reiterate of um of Enterprise so far, Mike Sussman. I know that he becomes even more involved in seasons three and four. Uh, he becomes like a pretty. I don't even know. I don't know if he is in charge of the writing team at that point, but I know that he's very. You know, he basically gets bumped up uh, to to having a much bigger role. Um, and the fact that you know he's done the Andorian incident and some other of, you know, some other episodes that we really liked, including, you know, this one by and large, um, that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to think that that will play some role in kind of what we've kind of heard already about seasons three and four and the improvement that the show undergoes. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, it was definitely one of the better episodes I've seen. Yeah. It's just hard for me to fully embrace it because it feels like, not necessarily desperate, but it feels like, oh, we, we know that TNG stuff works, so let's mm-hmm. bring that stuff back. Oh, and almost kind of like, well, we've already run out of original ideas, so yeah. let's go back to the Borg well already. It's Well, I mean, they even did that with the Ferengi. They're yeah. just like... Already done the Ferengi, so we've already had a couple of callbacks to TNG. Mm-hmm. And we've had callbacks to original series with Andorians and with others. Yeah, so. I mean, that would at least make sense. But mm-hmm. the, uh, introducing aliens that were not introduced until TNG uh, mm-hmm. just feels weird to me. Yeah, no, I totally get it. I agree. Uh, next episode is First Flight. But uh, let's take a little break first, and then we'll discuss that episode when we come back. Yeah. UPN Wednesday, two blockbuster new episodes. First, meet the man who was meant to be the captain of Enterprise, Keith Carradine guests. Then it's finally <laughs> happened. DePaul's in heat, and she needs relief. I'll be frightened. I won't hurt you. And we're back. Uh, let's talk about Star Trek Enterprise Season 2, Episode 24, First Flight. Original air date, May 14th, 2003. 
Uh, this episode is notable because it's directed by LeVar Burton. Mm-hmm. Uh, so take it away, Randy. Yeah, uh, this episode, as Justin mentioned, directed by uh, Jordy LaForge himself. Uh, not as Jordy LaForge, but as LeVar Burton, who um, maybe a little bit notoriously in recent Trek Trek history directed the recent episode uh, that we just talked about last episode of Trek Trek, uh, Cogenitor. Mm. Uh, so let's see how Mr. Burton did uh, with some different uh, material. All right, so we start this episode out. Uh, we're on Enterprise in the Situation Room. Um, the Enterprise crew has detected a dark matter nebula. Uh, Archer is in the Situation Room with DePaul, and he's sharing his excitement about this discovery uh, when Hoshi enters uh, to tell him that Admiral Forrest is calling for him. Uh, Archer leaves to take the call in his ready room. Uh, Forrest comes on the view screen uh, and lets Archer know uh, after Archer explains his excitement over the uh, discovery of this dark matter nebula. nebula uh, he is informed by Admiral Forrest that unfortunately he has bad news. Uh, we learn that someone named A.G. Uh, has been killed, presumably someone they both know well, uh, while climbing Mount McKinley. Uh, in Alaska. Uh, Mount McKinley, on a side note, uh, we just recently learned, is going to have its name changed uh, to Denali. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe we need a special um, episode. Uh, at some point, maybe it changes back. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's what... So it's predicting the future. Uh, it's going to go back to being Mount McKinley. So uh, so we get this sad news. Uh, then we have the opening credits. Uh, we come back from the opening uh, and we're in the Enterprise Launch Bay. Uh, Trip is talking with Archer and letting him know that he's finished loading um, six rockets uh, into the shuttle pod. Uh, these rockets, when ignited, will hopefully illuminate the dark matter in the nebula uh, so that Archer can see and record it. Um, the two of them discuss AG, uh, and Archer uh, mentions the irony uh, that he survived the warp trials only to be killed while mountaineering. So clearly uh, both Archer and Trip knew uh, this individual. Mm -hmm. um, Archer tells Trip that he wants to go on this shuttle mission of discovery alone. Uh, despite this, he enters the shuttle pod and is joined by T'Pol. Uh, T'Pol um, may have ulterior motives for joining Archer. Um, with, I'd like to think she does. Um, as a friendship, but she tells him that she must go with them uh, because there are Starfleet regulations against a captain leaving the ship unaccompanied. But what are the Starfleet regulations on having its two most senior officers go off? <laughs> exactly. Last I checked, uh, T'Pol, Subcommander T'Pol was also the first officer of Enterprise. Mm -hmm. uh, anyways, yeah, you know, it's whatever. It's all bureaucracy. <laughs> Yeah, it's necessary for the story, right? So, uh, so Paul and Archer leave uh, Enterprise in the shuttle pod. Um, they're on their way to their first coordinates uh, when T'Pol, uh, being the nosy neighbor she is, uh, asks Archer about this EG character. Um, we find out his name was A.G. Robinson, and he and Archer were in the NX program together um, of NX... 01 Enterprise fame. 
attempting to break the Warp 2 barrier. Uh, we get a flashback, a totally not unexpected flashback, <laughs> uh, to uh, Starfleet Command. I noticed that this was the same shot of Starfleet Command used in the previous episode. Yes, I noted that as well. <laughs> so they're getting a lot of mileage out of that exterior shot of Starfleet Command, but the same people. Anyways, um, we're inside of Admiral Forrest's office. Oh, wait, but this is the past. So he's Commodore Forrest. Um, and we also meet Commander Archer, who is really, really sweaty. Mm-hmm. Um, he's wearing a sort of Starfleet Academy uniform, I'm guessing, or a, at least a, a non, um, non deep space Starfleet uniform. Uh, he's talking to Admiral Forrest about how he has been working on, uh, his dad's, uh, warp drive his warp engine and has uh, gotten the efficiency of the engine up uh, considerably um commodore forrest is happy to hear that news uh but he has some news of his own uh for archer and that's that starfleet has decided to go with ag robinson uh for the first flight of the new warp ship the nx warp ship using archer's dad's uh, engine technology, and that for this first flight, hence the title of the episode, uh, Archer will be the backup. Um, so later in that day, in the evening, uh, we are uh, at the 602 Club uh, in San Francisco, um, and Archer is there pounding beers <laughs> alone uh, and talking with the bartender, uh, whose name is Ruby. Ah, remember Ruby. Yeah, from, can't quite recall the episode, but she's actually been referenced in a previous episode. Shuttle so, Pod 1. Shuttle Pod that's, 1. That's when Tripp and Reed discovered they were Eskimo brothers. Oh, yeah. So it seems like none of everyone knew Ruby at the old <laughs> 60, 602. Um, so we see that uh, AG, uh, assuming Commander Robinson, is there as well. He's at the bar. Um, Archer goes over to the bar to congratulate him. Um, they start talking uh, about AG's selection uh, for the pilot for the first NX flight, and it becomes uh, pretty contentious. <clears throat> uh, AG tells Archer that he wasn't chosen because he's done everything by the books, and it's actually to a fault. He specifically says, uh, you still don't understand Starfleet doesn't just want a great pilot, they want a great captain. Implying that being a great captain is more than just book learning. And it's a it's a idea that we'll come back to later in the episode. Uh, back in the present, and by present I mean the future, um, T'Pol is confused by Archer's story. Um, she thought that the two of them were really good friends. Um... In any event, she agrees uh, that being a captain is more than book book learning, um, but she uh, states that she believes Archer has actually acquired the skills that he needs to be a great captain uh, since then. Uh, T'Pol asks about the test flight itself. Archer said that Robinson was lucky to make it out alive. So cue another flashback. Uh, we're in the NX control room. And Archer is serving as basically mission control for AG in the NX Alpha craft, which looks like a much sleeker version 
of the ship flown by Zephron Cochran in um, First Contact, mm-hmm. which, interestingly enough, as you already know, listening to this episode, uh, was the kind of lead-in to the last episode we watched. So there's a whole lot of Star Trek First Contact <laughs> uh, influence in these two episodes. Um, AG is in orbit. Uh, and he's given permission to head out to conduct his test of the warp drive, uh, to get the ship past the warp two barrier. Uh, he succeeds, uh, in getting, uh, the NX Alpha past warp two, uh, but then Robinson, uh, tries to push things and it starts getting shaky. Uh, Archer tells him that he should drop out of warp, uh, until they can figure things out, but Robinson ignores him. Uh, AG keeps pushing it and ignoring Archer until the NX Alpha, as it comes out of warp, explodes and he jettisons the escape pod just in time. Uh, back in the present in the shuttle pod, uh, T'Pol and Archer try firing two of their six rockets into the nebula, uh, but nothing happens. Uh, Archer tells T'Pol that AG got into the record books, after all, uh, for uh, not only breaking the Warp 2 barrier, but being the first human to successfully deploy an escape pod at warp. Uh, we see a flashback um, to the aftermath of uh, AG's uh, disastrous first flight. Um, the Vulcan observers who have been watching all of this are basically now convinced uh, that the performance of the NX Alpha and Archer's father's uh, engine uh, means that warp technology is faulty uh, and that his engine should be redesigned from scratch. Um, they're having this conversation in a bay with some of the, uh, the NX prototype equipment uh, when out from behind uh, the other NX craft appears Trip. So there he is. Uh, he basically pops out to call hogwash on what the Vulcans are saying and suggests that they just need to make some adjustments uh, to the engine uh, in order to avoid a similar problem in the future. Um, so later that day, we go back to the 602 Club and we see Archer and Trip sharing beers. So they've met each other now at this point. Um, we're, among other things, uh, we get the origin story of Trip's name. Uh, he explains to Archer for the first time why he's called Trip instead of Charles Tucker. Um, Admiral Forrest, or Commodore Forrest, arrives at this point and breaks the news to the two of them that, uh, because of feedback from the Vulcan observers, the NX project is being put on ice until they can design a new engine, uh, something that Archer says could take, um, decades. Um, basically, his dad's engine design is being thrown out, which was his father's life's work, as we know. Um, AG shows up after the Commodore has left and tells the two that he just got done with his debriefing with Starfleet and the Vulcans, and that he told those two groups that it was the engine to blame and not himself. Uh, Archer gets really angry with him, um, and he you know, stresses that it could have been pilot error, that he didn't follow Archer's commands to drop out of warp. Um, it gets really heated, and they eventually devolves into a brawl uh, that Trip has to break up um, at the behest of the aforementioned Ruby. Um, back in the present in the shuttle pod, uh, the shuttle pod is being affected by dark matter, uh, but Archer wants to press 
press on. Uh, he says that basically that's what AG taught him to do, uh, to push the limits, and that's what AG would have done. Um, Robinson, he says, might have derailed the NX program, but he's also responsible for getting it back on track. Uh, back in the NX facility, uh, AG is packing up his locker as Archer enters. Um, the two of them make up, uh, apologize to each other for their behavior the night before, um, and begin discussing a plan uh, to prove that the engine is still sound and that the NX program shouldn't be scrapped. Uh, basically, uh, despite how dangerous and potentially, um, well, potentially career-ending it sounds, they decide that it uh, will involve stealing the NX Beta, the second of the two warp ships. Uh, and AG reminds Archer at this point that a captain needs to take risks. Back in the present, T'Pol uh, tells Archer that she has never heard this story, uh, but Archer tells her that Starfleet and the Vulcans both worked to keep it under wraps. Uh, it could have been embarrassing. They didn't want the story to get out. Uh, he says he'll tell her the story if she promises not to put anything in the Vulcan database. Uh, so back to the past. Uh, AG and um, Archer, with Tripp's help, basically managed to take the NX Beta out for a nighttime joyride um, before they uh, depart in the NX Beta. Archer tells Trip that for his help, he will make him a part of his crew when and if he becomes captain someday. So, more foreshadowing. Uh, they are able to get the NX Beta into orbit. Uh, once in orbit, uh, AG uh, switches seats with Archer to let him fly uh, since he went first last time. So, as I noted, this is a second flight, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, as expected, uh, even though they were able to escape in the NX Beta, or able to take it out for a joyride, Forrest calls up, is totally irate, uh, as is expected, uh, and threatens them. Uh, he's hoping uh, to keep this under wraps, but it's not to be, because just then the Vulcans enter, and so now they're totally aware of the fact that two Starfleet officers have just basically absconded with uh, the other NX prototype uh, against orders. Um, despite this, uh, Archer and AG uh, leave orbit and are able to get the NX beta up to warp 2.5. Uh, this is despite... Uh, some initial scares uh, that make it seem like the same sort of destabilization that destroyed the NX Alpha is going to happen again. Uh, they get up to warp 2.5, uh, bring the ship back to uh, sub-warp uh, impulse power safely, uh, but then Forrest orders them back to Earth. Uh, next up, we're in Forrest's office, uh, where the two of them are... Um, not surprisingly being rep reprimanded by the Commodore. Um, he tells them that they're suspended, but despite this, the two of them are content with what they did to prove that uh, Archer's father's engine was not at fault. Uh, back in the present, uh, Archer uh, is wrapping up the story. Uh, he tells Paul that he and AG were suspended for three months, uh, but while they were suspended, the NX program was not mothballed. Uh, it did continue. Uh, that the Vulcans spent a year throwing every test they could at the engine, uh, during which time it didn't fail, and they eventually uh, gave it a passing grade. Uh, eight months after they did, 
uh, humans uh, in a ship called the NX Delta broke the Warp 3 barrier. Uh, and five years after that, the Enterprise NX-01 was built. Our turn to Paul. Um, have two of the rockets remaining. Um, the density of the Dark Matter Nebula has uh, kind of reached a crescendo, and in a last-ditch effort, they fire the rockets off. Uh, these rockets also seem to fizzle out, uh, but after a few moments, the nebula erupts into kind of an amazing technicolor display. Uh, and they're both just blown away by it. Uh, it in fact, Archer wishes uh, that AG could have seen it. Um, he says that basically he's the reason uh, that they're out as far as they are. Um, he tells DePaul that eventually the NX program got down to a final two candidates, himself and Robinson. On the end, Starfleet chose to go with Archer as captain of the Enterprise, as we all know. Uh, we f see a final flashback with AG and Archer. Uh, AG's uh, congratulating Archer on being chosen to captain the Enterprise, and jokes that he'll wait for the NX-02 so that Archer can make all the mistakes first and then tells Archer he'll see him out there. Uh, as Archer and T'Pol head back to Enterprise in the shuttle pod, Archer comments that he wishes Robinson uh, could have seen what they just witnessed. Uh, T'Pol suggests naming uh, the nebula, uh, since this is a Earth tradition when new scientific discoveries are made. Archer asks what she means. Should they call it the T'Pol Archer Nebula? Uh, but she says she was thinking something more along the lines of the Robinson Nebula, because that would be more appropriate. And that's the end of the episode. Aww. Yeah, it was kind of heartwarming. Um, yeah, I actually like this episode uh, quite a bit. Me too. I liked Me too. Uh, all that backstory. I, th uh, I initially thought that uh, Archer and Tripp had been friends for longer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's kind of weird too. that they were just introduced and became best buds. Yeah, so at least it's five years before they built the Enterprise. Yeah. So I guess it's a long period of time, but you're right. Like, the way they made it sound... You know, actually, the way they made it, they've made it sound before, it sounds like they went through Starfleet Academy together. Yeah, something. that's what I thought. Because they're always talking about going on, like, getting survival training, and I guess we're to assume that all of that happened in the five years between the meeting and then basically taking the Enterprise out. Mm -hmm. I guess so. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, it's not a big sticking point, I don't think, for me. Um, A.G. Robinson is played by Keith Carradine. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept thinking of Frank Lundy from Dexter the whole time. <laughs> exactly. The very first thought I had. I was like, oh, wow, Lundy's, uh, Lundy's a lot younger uh, <laughs> on Enterprise. But no, I like I like him as an actor. Um, you know, I, I don't know who he is as a person, but I like him as an actor. So it was cool. He, I thought he did a really good job. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that the, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, just the whole, like, this was such a, like, a, a meaty backstory episode. I would love to see more episodes like this. And and honestly, when I saw the title of this and saw the little quick, like, one-sentence synopsis, I was ready for it to be awful. <laughs> like, I thought it was going... I don't... I mean, I don't think Enterprise is awful. I don't think every episode's going to be bad or anything. But I just... It just sounded so hokey. Right? Right. But I thought it, it was actually really good. And I was like, oh, wow, LeVar... You got me back. <laughs> he thought he did a really good job with this. I mean, and the whole thing it was just well written, well acted. 
and and it just gave us that backstory that we like really love. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we know more about the characters and the and the, the past of the show. Uh, the only problem with it mm-hmm. being a bunch of flashbacks is that you know that no one's in any danger. Mm-hmm. And so any time they're like, oh, no, things are going wrong. Yeah, oh, well. it's going to start shaking. Yeah, we already know that AG didn't die until just like the previous day. Yeah, and we know that Archer <laughs> wasn't kicked out of Starfleet. Right. And we know that the Annex program continued. So it's just kind of a, you know, I, you know, the one thing I will say is we know that we know he wasn't kicked out. We know that the NX program obviously continued or we wouldn't have the NX01. But we didn't know that Trip, that basically Trip, AG, and Archer stole, <laughs> stole the prototype. Yeah. And, and, and we got to see the 602 club. We got to see uh-huh. Ruby. Yeah. We got to see a lot of things that they had mentioned before. Mm-hmm. I think it was, yeah, it was really good for kind of world building. Um, yeah. World building. Um, kind of character. I mean, not necessarily development, but at least seeing their backstory, more of their backstories. Yeah, so I thought that was cool. Yeah, I mean, big thumbs up for this one. Um, yeah, I know. I, I would say I like this more than, than uh, regeneration. But yeah. I still I liked regeneration, so it was cool. Like I felt like this week we saw a couple of strong episodes. Yeah. Including one, this one, actually, I was expecting, when you said, tell me Borg episode, I was expecting Regeneration to be the stronger of the two episodes, but I think it was the other way around. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, season two is finishing strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week is going to be the season two finale. Uh, we're going to talk about two episodes, the last two episodes, uh, Bounty and The Expanse. Ooh. After that, we'll be done with season two. We'll be going warp five into season three. Mm -hmm. Or warp 5.5. If we could push it without needing to eject. Yep. Maybe with some uh, Borg technology, we can go even Mm -hmm. faster. And some faith of the heart. (laughs) We can do it. Well, you you always have to have that. Yeah, right? Exciting. Uh, Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.